dear diary. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so this is not a full, this is not like a full on astrology teaching. This is kind of like therapy. <laughs> this is kind of like me processing something. Sometimes I do these dear diary audios or, you know, blog posts. I used to do blog posts. I'm just trying to work something out and I am going to look at some astrology, but it's not like a full on teaching. It's just like reflection. Cause I was telling, um, Hey, by the way, Hey, my name's Tom Jacobs <laughs> and I am an astrologer. Uh, uh, I'm on the web at tdjacobs.com and also healingsuicide.com. tdjacobs.com is my main site. And I was telling uh, my partner last night, the story, or maybe it was this morning. I don't know. Yesterday. And uh, she said, you've never told me that. We've been together for eight years. And I was like, yeah, how have I how have I not told her that? And I realized that I haven't known what to do with it. <laughs> so I've told a couple of people parts of it. I'm sure I have. And I'm sure I told some students like little snippets of it and whatever. Use it as an example and something. I'm sure, my, I'm sure I told my mom and my sister about it. Like, but anyway... I just realized when I told her this whole story, I was like, whoa, I need to think about that a little bit. So I'm processing it. So I'm, um, I just turned on the little microphone. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to do it maybe on SoundCloud and I might record this whole thing and not post it. We'll see. But this, this was from, um, late 1996. Um, and then just a very early 1997. And I moved from kind of small town, Ohio, to Boston, Massachusetts, and basically, just the, the, the preamble I'll make very short, I had, I was working in the town I went to college in. Like, I grew up like an hour away, and then um, went to college, you know, like an hour away from where I grew up, and then I was still in town like a year, you know, about a year and a half later, working at a restaurant. It was my second restaurant job in that town, and it was kind of taking a step up, and I was learning some cool stuff, and I didn't want to work in offices. I didn't want to ha I didn't have any other direction, you know. Um, I didn't want to be inside all the time with windows you couldn't open, so I was like, okay, great. I'll go cook right with my Cancer 10th House South Node, <laughs> and um, so I was bored to tears in small town Ohio. And I recognized that like, it was a good place to go to, to go to college. It was, my mom said that kind of town's a great place to raise kids. Well, whatever. I was like 23, 24. I was like, that's not on my, on my horizon, you know? And, um, I wanted to go to a city and I didn't know how to make it happen because, you know, kid from a small town in the middle of Ohio, like he doesn't know how to make things happen. And then, um, this friend of mine, who had been a roommate had gone to grad school in Boston and he, we were talking one day on the phone and he said, you know, I just kind of have this sticky situation. My, um, my landlady and my roommate had a fight and she kicked him out. So now I got to go find another roommate. And I knew like, even though I was that kid from that town, I knew that was my chance. So I said, actually, that's me. So that weekend I drove to Boston, met the landlady, filled out a little rental application, whatever. And in five weeks I was living there. Like five weeks later, <clears throat> I left Ohio with my car full of stuff. I don't even think I had, I guess I had like a little U-Haul trailer or something, but not, not like a lot. Um, 
So anyway, when I was in Boston, then I applied for a bunch of jobs. And what I was doing was cooking, as I said. So I um, put in a bunch of applications, which, you know, in my adulthood now, in retrospect, I see it wasn't like a lot of applications. But to me at that time, to put in like 20, I think it was 21 applications seemed like a lot in the span of 10 days or something. I basically went through like, you know, they had these things called newspapers and it was 1996 and I looked up ads. I, I walked streets with places, a bunch of restaurants and if they had a help wanted sign, I inquired, whatever. Um, and at that point I had some, some skills. I wasn't amazing, but certainly wasn't like chef material, but like, you know, whatever I wanted to do, um, certain things. And so anyway, I ended up finding this one place where the sh- the chef gave me a call and I was really happy, like the 21st place I applied or something. And he, he had what I wanted, but in half time. It was a hotel, so they had a bunch of jobs, you know, a bunch of different positions. But um, what I wanted was like, was cold prep. I basically wanted to stand around and cut vegetables and fruits and make pretty displays and set things up for other people. Like I just wanted to zone out and go into meditation mode. That's what I loved to do. I don't want to be on the saute line. I don't want to broil. I don't want to deal with meat. I didn't want to cut up animal carcasses. I don't want to do any of that. And um, which is what some of the stuff I've been doing in Ohio at those two jobs. And I just wanted to like zone out, right? <laughs> very, very kind of Neptune. And this guy says, I have what you want, but it's halftime. I said, gosh, I really need full time. He said, but what I do have is um, full time pastry cook. And I was like, whoa, I've never done pastry. He said, I know, but I'm willing to give you a chance because you seem like a good guy. You know, seem like you have a good work ethic. I was like, well, I'll try. So he hires me full time, right? And it turns out that this is, um, it starts at 4 a.m. I had been staying up. I've been working second shift. I've been staying up till like 3 a.m. By the way, if you don't, if you like want an astrology teaching or want something like, you know, you can, you know, don't expect too much from this. This is really like therapy. Okay. So anyway, um, like Dear Diary. Okay. That's what Dear Diary means. It's not as instructive as other things I might, (laughs) I might put out there. And so I was accustomed to, you know, getting up at 10 a.m., going to bed at like 3 a.m. Suddenly I had to get up at 3 a.m. and be at work at 4 a.m. And I had to ride my bicycle uh, in the winter in Boston across the river into Cambridge to go to this job. So I had to leave at like 3.30, ride like 20, 23 minutes, you know, yeah, in the cold. So that was the deal. That was what happened. So I was already sleep deprived when I started. When I got in there, it turns out the guy who was training me was one of the other cooks. And there are like supposed to be, I guess, five positions, three cooks, a sous chef and a chef. This is just the pastry department. <laughs> and um, lots of other people working there. So the guy who was training me said, yeah, you know, some guy just quit and I'm leaving in like 10 days or two weeks. And I was like, wait, what are you saying? And he was like, oh, we're totally understaffed and it's getting worse. And here you are. And I was like, but I don't know how to do any of this. And he was like, you just write everything down. Just learn as best you can. So as it turns out, I was sleep deprived. I couldn't actually remember everything. I would get up at 3 a.m. and my roommate was sitting around with a friend having a beer watching a movie right i was leaving in the cold to go to work so it was like totally messing with my mind so i'm sleep deprived i'm learning new skills right and in pastry it's not that 
you do some things that take a long time. You do a billion things that take not much time. So it's a lot of things. And in that kind of, um, you know, high class establishment, you know, people who are cooking who mean it, let <laughs> you say this, people who are like, um, if you work in a place like that, you know, or if you have been to culinary school, and a lot of those people had been, then you write everything down in a notebook. And it's like this sacred thing, like, like, like you're, you're responsible with this notebook. It's all the tricks you've learned, all the recipes you're learning. It's like all the everything. So I had one of those and I was, I was, I had not had one before my previous two jobs in cooking because I was in small town Ohio. And anyway, so I couldn't remember things because I was sleep deprived. We were understaffed. There were four of us. And then suddenly there were three of us for five jobs. And I was like the weak link 100%. Well, because of that, I was working six days a week. And, you know, like 10 hours a day. So new to town, just fell off the potato truck, sleep deprived, totally revamping the schedule because I used to go to bed at three. Now I'm waking up at 3 a.m. Needing to remember a bunch of things, but can't because I'm sleep deprived. Like I'd never been like that before. And I just couldn't adjust to going to bed at like 7 or 8 p.m. I just I just couldn't adjust to it. Um, and then because of this... I had this uh, bike accident. I fell over on my bike in the parking garage at the hotel. And I fell kind of, so to speak, on my the thumb on my knife hand. <laughs> like This was like 10 days in. So I couldn't use like a big chef's knife with my right hand to cut things up. <laughs> So I had to use my left hand and compensate. And I'm not ambidextrous totally. I mean, I'm a little clever, but I'm not like ambidextrous. Anyway, it slowed me down. And then also, <laughs> and then the other thing was, um, what was the other thing? Because it was actually really, oh, every morning I did certain things. It's a pastry department. So I, I baked a bunch of stuff between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. And then like the sous chef or somebody else would come in. And, you know, a lot of other stuff would happen for the day. But I had to bake, I had to make uh, biscuits from scratch. That was fine. I had to make uh, muffins from scratch. That was fine. But I had to make this bread, this Portuguese molasses bread, was this, this hotel's signature bread. And I don't know if all bread is made like this because, again, you fall off the potato truck and you're in the big city. You're 24 years old. You don't know what you're doing. You're sleep deprived. You don't know if all bread's made like this. But what you had to do was you had to take the lump of dough, this pound and a half, like you'd make the dough, whatever, and then you cut it up, right? And then you had to take it with your hand, rise it up over your shoulder, over your head, and slam it the expletive down on the stainless steel table. I don't I don't know exactly if it was, if it was to get air bubbles out. I'm not quite sure. Before proofing. I don't know. I don't, anyway, this was so long ago, and I was so messed up. So anyway, doing that, the for, the muscles in your forearm get ruined. Like, you can't grip things. So my knife hand's fucked. Oh, sorry, expletived. Anyway, all these things, right? And I am working so hard. I am doing everything I can. Because I have never failed at anything. <laughs> I've never, I'd never failed at anything before. 
I had never put my attention and energy into something and just have like all this circumstance, circumstantial stuff happen. I like, yeah, I guess that's what I couldn't even as of yesterday when telling my partner about this. I had never failed at anything. And I think the reason why I'm still kind of processing this 23 years, <laughs> I'm embarrassed, 23 years later is because it did for all that time feel like a failure. I can feel the lump in my throat. Yeah, it felt like a failure. So anyway, no matter what I did, that's what it looked like. You know what I mean? Like the bike accident, the schedule change, the whatever, the being short-staffed, the like couldn't remember stuff and writing everything down and the guy who trained you left and then you're like, what am I supposed to do? And the sous chef was kind of a tough character and the the, the pastry sous chef and the, and the um, pastry chef was less available, right? She's like covering more shifts, you know, doing all this leg work and grunt work because, you know, they, they were still down two cooks and whatever. They had two and a half people. I was the half. So anyway, she was there and working, but like, anyway, so I just, um, I got to this place. Well, one of, one of the things was like certain things I did. Okay. Certain things I even did well, but I always felt like behind and under pressure. And like I was, you know, um, and there was one thing that no matter what, every single step of the process, I messed up. And the, the sous chef could not understand this. And he, I just, I'll never forget the look on his face because I really, no matter what I was doing, I was messing it up all the time. And this was making the crackers. <laughs> so you, there's a cracker machine and you make, you make crackers. And this is a very high end place. This is a five star hotel in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So they make their own crackers. And so you have this recipe, you make this dough, no problem. And these were wheat berry crackers, which I just fresh off the beet truck from Ohio had, I didn't know that about wheat berries. I, anyway, I had anyway, so wheat berry crackers and there were these delicate, there were these crack. Okay. Anyway, you know what a cracker is. And, um, you take the dough and then you have to put it through just, just like with a pasta machine, but the process is a little different and more persnickety. It's like more delicate because you have to put a little dusting of flour on this lump of dough. Not, I, I think it's not every time you put it through these rollers that you tighten up so it gets thinner and thinner the more you do it, right? Because when you put it down, it's like a lump that's like, I don't know, like nine or ten inches by like two inches high by like five inches wide or something. And by the time you're done, you have this like, you know, 20 inch long thing that's like 10 inches wide. You know what I mean? Like it flattens out. I don't think it's every time, but you have to have just the right amount so that the dough doesn't stick to the rollers in the cracker machine, in the rolling machine. But if you put too much in it, then it messes with the elasticity. So if you dry it out, okay. So, <laughs> so I just... <laughs> I just looked up the trans. <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I just looked up the transits that I was having at that time. This was years before I was into astrology, but Pluto was transiting over my Neptune. <laughs> I have Neptune and Mercury together, and Pluto was transiting over the Neptune during that month, like within a degree. So it was kind of like this inevitability, this like destruction, this kind of like can't think straight Neptune conjunct Mercury natally, the emotional side of it with moon conjunct these two. 
and it was in the House of Skills. I just I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Anyway, with the crackers, you, I kept finding that I would do too much or too little flour. And essentially, I was ruining the batches. And the sous chef was very stressed about this. I was ruining the, the food material, right? It's about time as well as resources. You don't want to waste a bunch of stuff. Sometimes something goes wrong, whatever. And they were pretty grounded and clear about that. Like, sometimes, especially you're training somebody. But, oh my gosh, this was probably the third or fourth, probably the fourth time that I was working on, maybe the third time in a few weeks I was working on this. And I just, it was the thing that escaped me. And so this happened um, late in the day, one afternoon. And again, Sleep deprived, uh, 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 thumb injury. I, I, I mean, well, this is part of the, the part though where I have to admit that I worked there for, I believe it was four and a half weeks. <laughs> it's, yeah, until the one the next day. But anyway, during the last day, there was a cracker thing. It was the very end of the day. And basically the sous chef was like, just, just go home, just stop. And, I was so stressed and so losing it, right? Because I had ruined another batch of this and I just couldn't get it right no matter what I did. That I went home and I, I even forgot about this when I was talking to my partner. I thought this happened the next morning, but the cracker machine did not happen in the morning. It happened the afternoon before. Oh, so I was like sleep deprived and like 60 hours, right? 10 hour days, six days a week. And when I went home, I was like a wreck and a mess. And I ate and I went to bed and I got up in the morning, but I was like, I was on the verge of losing it and I did everything I could. I made the biscuits. I made the muffins. I made the, I made the molasses bread. And when other employees, other than dishwashers who were there at 4am with me, um, when other people came in, I saw one and I was, and I started talking and he was like, Oh wait, hold, ooh, I got to get a manager. Hold on. Because he saw me in the beginning of this nervous breakdown and I'm not exaggerating. I don't know what what I sounded like, but it was my, my throat was probably constricted. I was probably freaking out. I was probably super loud. I, I you know, anyway, he was like, "Stop right there! I gotta get a manager." So he went to get a manager who's like the assistant manager of the banquet, the people I would have worked for, right? Had I taken the part time job. And I said to him, basically, I was trying to control the volume of my voice and trying to like say, "I'm losing my shit. I have to leave and never come back." I am sorry. I don't know what to do. I'm losing it was basically the thrust of it. Basically, I held it together for those two hours in the morning and got those basic things done. And then I left. I had to leave. Right. And I'm assuming they went and called the sous chef who had to rush in or something. I don't know. I, I just lost it. And I went home and I basically, except for one task, I basically sat around for two weeks, kind of zoned out comatose staring at the TV like unable to think or do anything or go get another job or whatever. And the one task was take the uniform back that they owned to the front desk of the hotel and pick up the check that I had arranged over phone or voicemail that the, that the chef, the head chef who one who had hired me and given me a chance would leave for me. So basically I did that. Oh, that wasn't even in those two weeks. That was weeks later. That was more like three or four weeks later. Anyway, so I just remember for two weeks I was like out of it and staring out the window. When you watch movies, I'm not being facetious and I'm not poking fun at anything like this. But when you watch movies and somebody is in 
a mental hospital and that person is staring out the window or staring at the TV or staring at the wall or a plant, that's what was going on. I like cracked open. And I don't say this lightly. And again, I'm not making fun of anybody who goes through such experiences because that was me. I know I might sound like I'm entertained or something by this, but it's more like connecting the dots that this was actually me. This was actually my life. Well, Pluto Pluto was on my Neptune. Transiting Pluto was on my Neptune. So what could I control? What could I not control? And I think that when when planets, well, I know for a fact because I actually do this for a living, but (laughs) when planets transit your Neptune, sometimes you get to find out what you can't control. Now, you know, 23 years later, I can see that in retrospect. But um, so there was that. And then also Chiron, when I worked there, went from Libra into Scorpio and was on my first house series in Scorpio. So there was a dramatic cracking open, right? It was like Plutonian, right? With Pluto on my Neptune. Anyway, I'd never noticed that before, where I, I did know when I lived in Boston in the early days of that, that Pluto had transited my Neptune. Uh, because later... Um, well, later I, I had looked up, you know, 10 years ago or something when I started, you know, really looking at my history and not 10 years ago, whatever, I mean, like in 2004, when I started really getting into astrology, 2003 and four, I looked up what was going on when I was in Boston because, because during several of those years, I couldn't find a quiet place and it was making me insane. At that time, I didn't understand. I say that again, I say it lightly, you know, I'm not picking fun of that, but I was, um, unable to think straight and relax and I was on edge and anxious because my nervous system was jacked up and I felt like I was losing my mind all the time. I would go to the uh, public library in the center in this like giant quiet room in the Boston Public Library and put in earplugs and just try to be quiet. And I could still hear like the faint echo of footsteps and it wasn't quiet enough. Like, There's no quiet place. So I had looked that up and I was like, oh yeah, Pluto is transiting my Neptune Mercury. So like revolutionizing, transforming things about Mercury, Neptune, sensitivity to noise and sounds and whatever. I also started creative writing at that time. And so Pluto conjunct your Mercury, you're going to, you know, you you might change how you communicate and how you think. Uh, Anyway, I didn't realize that though about this, about this, um, kind of nerves issue or nervous system issue with uh, feeling like a failure and losing control. And I didn't realize that until I was just looking today before I turned on the, the, the recorder here. But anyway, Pluto was transiting my Neptune and, you know, bulldozing my sense of being able to keep it together. So, so anyway, so two, two weeks I sat around and did nothing. And then, um, I think it's good for, you know, here's my dear diary therapy. I think this is good for me to say this. Oh, so anyway, so when I was telling my girlfriend this yesterday, I said, oh, yeah, about that knife injury, or the sorry, the, finger, the thumb injury when I had the bike accident. I said, oh, yeah, look at my thumbs. Look how wide my right thumbnail is next to my left. And she was like, oh, my God, I never noticed that. And I was like, yeah, it's actually that, um, the whole thumb. She was like, how'd that happen? I was like, it bent, out, it bent backward, and when it healed, it just was bigger. Anyway, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> one of those things. But anyway... Uh, it was just thinking about these details and like, oh yeah, that did happen. And one of the things that I haven't, because of this idea of failure, uh, one of these things that happened next is I started the job process or the, the job search all over again, of course, right? Because uh, I needed money. 
So I went around to different parts of town with different restaurants. I ended up going to this, uh, um, I think there was an ad in a paper, but it was on Charles Street. Uh, Charles Street, Charles Street. I can't remember the, well, it was on Charles Street, which is like near the Boston Common. It's kind of an older part of town, a bunch of old buildings, and it's near the the State House, Massachusetts State House, and you know, near the, what was it called? The Common and the Public Garden. Like, And it's like a, it's kind of a ritzy shopping area. And um, I applied for a job as a, you know, cold prep cook, right? And they had an open kitchen. And so you, during the, before the dinner shift started, and it was like open for dinner only, or maybe brunch on Sundays, but yeah, it was open for brunch. But anyway, you'd work upstairs and do a bunch of prep stuff normally and then you'd take everything down there was an open kitchen next to the dining room so it was like this 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 kind of cancer 10th house being on display kind of thing anyway um but i lied i said i had just moved there because i still didn't know how to like understand or file or deal with the fact that i had like lost my expletive and quit this job with no notice right so i remember lying to the owner which is a which is interesting because after I started, after I started working, I mean, talking about Pluto and my Neptune, illusion, delusion, lies. After I started working there, I learned that she had owned this restaurant but had some money trouble, and so she had taken on a business partner who was a chef. So she had a lot of experience in various kinds of restaurants, even turning like a, you know. Whatever she had, like a she had made a bunch of money, done a bunch of cool things, and then she had this kind of like, you know, I don't want to call it a pet project. It's just kind of this high end restaurant, and anyway, she needed to take on a partner. The one she took on was from South America, who was a man. She was a very strong old woman. He was a total chauvinistic jerk, and um, they were at war. Talk about Pluto on my Neptune, and they were each recruiting people to their side. So a lot of the wait staff was with the owner, and a lot of the kitchen staff was so to speak with this chef and um it was an impossible situation but anyway i lied to get this job and i felt horrible about it and uh those are the sprinklers outside i think coming on if you can hear that anyway um was like not a good omen (laughs) not a good omen but i said i had just gotten there and i you know i just edited this whole thing out about working at this hotel because i was so ashamed I was so embarrassed, but I also didn't, I could have dealt with, no, actually at 24, I couldn't have dealt with embarrassment and shame. I think now I can heal that if I understand what happened. Like at that time, I had no conceptual framework of how to accept when everything goes wrong or seems to circumstantially prevent you from succeeding. I didn't have any any conceptual framework for that. Now I kind of understand. I had Pluto on the 12th. You know, I have a strong Neptune signature, like, ah, you know, trying to figure out how to work with life, but I might feel like, you know, the carp, the, the rug pulled off from under me or something like that, you know, sometimes because of circumstantial changes or something. Um, yeah, so when I was working in this smaller restaurant on Charles Street, all these memories are flooding back. It's kind of funny, but when I was working there, um, I was only there for a few months because... Um, I just, I couldn't deal with the, I couldn't deal with the, um, with the, the tension and the conflict and the personality of the owner 
and the co-owner. Basically, they were like 50-50 or, you know, the the chef and the... And the I just couldn't handle it. And I ended up um, applying to go back to... Well, to go to a conservatory to do a graduate certificate, not a master's degree, but a graduate certificate in music performance, which I had been working up toward. Anyway, I ended up... This is a whole crazy, crazy year. I ended up deferring and not doing that, but I, I, I stayed kind of a an intently focused, somewhat serious trombone player for a while. But but um, anyway, that was my fourth and final cooking job, this place with the war and the tension. But anyway, I was just, just realizing when I was talking to my partner yesterday that I, I haven't really processed all that and thought about it. Because, okay, now fast forward years later, when I lived in Los Angeles, <laughs> um, the first job of the two that I got fired from in my life. The first one was being a dog sitter, like dog walker, dog sitter, right? People go on vacation, pay the service to have someone stay in their house, take care of their dogs. And (laughs) if you know anything about me now, like as I am now, the last few years, you would say, Tom, how did you not know that was the worst thing that you could ever have done? Well, I didn't know. But um, anyway, of course, they paired me with the absolute most neurotic, psychologically expletived up dog ever, who was huge, who hadn't really matured. She was a giant puppy. There were two dogs. One was chill and older, and the other was uh, this puppy. Like, I couldn't, like, I slept in the bed in the house, and she had to be, like, on top of me sighing constantly because her people weren't there and she was scared and lonely and what I like she wouldn't let me not have to be touched <laughs> so I handled that pretty well including like being dragged all over the street by this giant dog on a leash right when I took took them for a walk I had to take them separately actually after the first time but anyway I handled it really well for one night and I didn't complain I didn't you know, I was like, I'm going to do this, right? Need a little cash, whatever. And um, the lady the second morning called me and, and fired me. Like, she somehow psychically knew this was the worst thing that could ever happen. So anyway, when she fired me, it was a relief because I learned that one day, or there's two days or whatever, I learned that it was bad for me. I do also want to say one thing. <laughs> about this experience in the um when you you because they have you the service like this will have you meet the owners so i came over and it was a it was a couple there were these these two guys and they were getting ready to go on vacation and they had these two dogs and so you kind of like get a tour of the house and here's how here's what we feed the dogs and here's when and here's how to do this and here's the leash and just like you get like the whole like orientation right but but you meet them that's part of the deal with this particular service I'm sure a lot of them do this but but anyway it wasn't just like somebody's gonna some stranger's gonna sleep in your house and to pick up your dog's poop outside it was like this personalized thing when that happened that was awesome that was fine there's no problem but I did notice that there was like NPR that was on in the living room and the stereo all the time. Well, when I came back and I was the person who came into the house as the employee, right, for the service, I saw the look in that dog's eye I mentioned, the one dog, the younger one, the, the female. 
and I I remember now in retro it's like like I I felt like I I realized more about my empathic nature in that moment than at any other single like two minute time of my life because I was like oh my god this is torture for this dog this all these different people talking none of whom love her and make her feel safe right this person's like um oh, check out this radio program at 4 p.m. And this other person comes on and goes, yeah, a bomb went off in Pakistan. And somebody else comes on and goes, stock market's down today. And then there's like a little bit of music. And this dog was like, this did not comfort her. <laughs> so anyway, um, I did my best to like, to be there. and be, But I did like kind of, you know, it was really hard for me to be touched constantly by this giant nervous anxious i mean anxiety dog had anxiety anyway so i got fired and um that kind of felt like a failure a little bit but i was like you know what that's what this is about i'm not explaining this how i dealt with failure with other things and i was like yeah okay i mean oh what are you gonna do like it was not the right thing i understand that i accept that you know i can move on with this and i just kept looking for work like it wasn't a big deal um but yeah, in nineteen ninety, early nineteen January of nineteen ninety seven, yeah, I was yeah, I would not, you know, be be able to uh to deal with that. And I and I just I felt so low about it, you know, I just felt so low. I also noticed um around the time that I that I kind of I'll say lost my grip or the kind the time when I had that emotional eruption and ended up quitting the job on the spot in a very unprofessional way. Say it that way. Um, the sun had just gone into Aquarius and Uranus was early in Aquarius and Jupiter had just gone into Aquarius. So sun, Jupiter, Uranus at that time when I actually kind of overflowed with the stress and quit that job. So, so anyway, that, that's kind of interesting. And actually Neptune was not far away in late Capricorn. Oh, also, by the way, transiting Saturn and Aries opposing my natal Pluto. So there's some stress in there too about work and not being able to keep up and, you know, feeling like you don't have the tools and re the skills to like, you know, I was getting mentoring, but like it wasn't like those, like the sous chef was really like Saturn and Aries, uh, like symbolically, like he was like, here's what it is. Memorize it. I don't want to tell you again, like that kind of a thing, like not the most patient mentoring kind of teacher. So that, that kind of energy was in there too. And what ended up happening when I deferred from go, I'll just tell you, finish out this story because I think I'm about done. When I decided not to go to the grad school to play the thing, <laughs> to to play to to pursue this graduate certificate, um, that also I kind of let them down too. Because what happened is I met. The, <laughs> oh my gosh, this was quite a quite a year. Um, I met a woman in the summer in July late July, I think, who said to me, like a woman I ended up dating off and on for a while later. But when I met her, she said to me, wow, you must be a great writer. And I was like, oh, no, I, I could never do that because I'm sure it would not be good. It would stink. And she said no. So she kind of coaxed me into playing writing games to try to like pull this thing out of me that she saw. And at some moment during that summer, like in August that year, I started writing and I couldn't stop. Like there was a moment when I paused and she said, 
like we were playing a writing game, like she wrote a sentence and then handed me the, the, the paper and I was supposed to finish it or make something up, right? Was, she was like tr- really trying to be encouraging. I'll forever be grateful because she really opened something up and, and she, and it wasn't just once or twice. I, th- I want to say it was like eight or 10 or 12 or 15 times where she initiated these kind of writing games with certain rules or, you know, whatever. Um, and a very clever person. And um, there was a moment when I paused and she saw it and said, what just happened? And I said, I don't know what to, what to write next. And she said, write what comes next. And I swear this floodgate opened. When this floodgate opened, all this creative writing that was this this creative voice that was pent up for those for those twenty four year twenty five years whatever, it started flowing out like crazy, and I literally couldn't pick my horn up, and so I had to defer from going to grad school, for music, and it was a full calendar year before I could even pick that horn up. Like I I just it wasn't right anymore. This was another Pluto conjunct Neptune Mercury thing, how I expressed myself, how I did my Neptune. It totally changed, and I was writing stream of consciousness and writing poetry and writing, 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 writing. It was pouring out of me. Um, yeah, and music was like a stranger until that, literally a year after that. So I deferred from doing the grad school thing, and I was like, well, geez, now what am I going to do? Because I do not think that I can handle cutting up animal carcass. Oh, that was the other part. <laughs> when, when I was in Ohio, I, had, I was having Neptune wake up time with Pluto was approaching my Neptune and I was like I don't like cutting up animal carcasses and I didn't understand why and then I was like I kind of feel this dark energy I don't like this it doesn't feel good like the energy of death and what they may have felt and just the deadness of all of it and actually during that time um, when I lived in Boston after this happened there was a time when I was off and on vegetarian for I don't know a year year and a half or something because I couldn't handle the energy of in like store-bought meat i couldn't handle it i think i probably ate eggs but like i didn't maybe i ate fish sometimes but like i couldn't deal with like like uh, red red meat or flesh or pork or birds or anything um but anyway there was one no i'm not going to tell you that oh man the beginnings of it i'm going to tell you this so if you're squeamish just like i don't know deal um but there was one thing that i had to do at the first cooking job which was um trim some of the fat off all these little chicken backs then you roast it like you trim the fat off then you roast the bones and then you use them to make stock the marrow the collagen whatever comes out of the bones you cook it down and you can make you make stock anyway this whole like tray full of, you know, there was like roasting pans full of chicken, parts of chicken carcasses. And they were all symmetrical. It was like very orderly because they were all the same thing, right? You And you trim off this little bit of thing, these couple little things. And I was like, anyway, that was the first job. Second job, also in Ohio, um, I was a little less sensitive to it because whatever, the steaks came prepackaged. Like you didn't have to do stuff, right? Then in that third job, it was pastry. Fourth job, I was on the cold station doing the salads and desserts and sauces and things. And again, this is Dear Diary. This is not really a teaching. Um, And then the fourth job, that last one, where the open kitchen deal with the war between the chef and the owner, um, they were like, you gotta, you gotta train on all the stations. So during a normal shift, it'd be like three, four people in the kitchen, the chef, 
somebody helping him on saute and then a guy on broil and then the person doing the cold stuff. Now that was me. We had to train on all of them and I could do saute. I didn't want to have to what is called fabricate portions. If you think about it, if you're fabricating portions of meat, you're taking apart an animal carcass. I know this is crude, but I got to tell you this because Pluto was on my Neptune and I could not do it. The guy who trained me at that place, one of the other cooks, put a salmon in front of me and, and explained to me how to make the cuts to fabricate, to right, to make the portions. And I was like, I can't do this. He was like, you have to. This is one of the reasons why I ended up quitting because I couldn't do it. And then here is a duck without a head and without feathers. And I was like, I cannot do this. And then it was like, here's a rabbit. I was like, <laughs> Pluto was on my Neptune. This whole like energetic sensitivity thing was waking up. That's one of the huge reasons why I ended up quitting in addition to this war. Because I was like, I felt pressure. Like I had to do these things and I, and I couldn't do them. So anyway, I was off and on a vegetarian for a while. But, but anyway, I, I, <laughs> what ended up happening was I started temping in offices. That's when I started getting into offices after, you know, a couple years after college of saying, I don't want to be in an office and fluorescent lights and the windows don't open. Anyway, I ended up doing pretty well doing office work. But but that was how I got there because I was like, I don't know what else to do. I'll just go. I can type. I know how to use like um, Microsoft software, right? So I started going to temp agencies and ended up getting some jobs and then some permanent jobs and, and moving around doing that. But anyway, that's just the, that idea. And I didn't fail in the, any of those jobs, right? So I was like, oh, I'll stick with this. Um, anyway, so that idea, that whole thing about failure, what, you know, what is in my control, what is outside my control, that was, I'm just learning it now, I'm 46, but that was a huge lesson. It's taken me half my life to learn, almost half my life to really be able to to look at that and say, yeah, you couldn't do that. The cooking thing, two, two, two parts of that. One is that whole sleep-deprived thing where circumstance just seemed against you. You just It just wasn't the time to do that or the place or the reason. It wasn't right. But the second thing, with the last job that I remember I lied to get, um, and I'm sure she knew it. I'm sure the owner knew because she was a total liar. She was a total Scorpio liar. Like, like apparently I was being at that time. Um, but yeah, I couldn't because of Neptune. My my Neptune waking up, I couldn't deal with the flesh of the animals. I couldn't do it. So um, that was around the time when there had been in the previous couple, two, three, four years, an explosion of availability of... Um, I'm going to say it wrong. Tempe? Yeah, Tempe is a city in Arizona. I always mix them up. Tempe, um, wheat gluten. I used to make my own wheat gluten at home. Now I can't eat it, but like, uh, but also um, tofu, right? Tofu, tempe, wheat gluten. Anyway, all those th different things. So I had a great time. I didn't miss eating flesh at all because those things were really interesting. But yeah, and then the writing was happening and I would go to art museums more Neptune, and I would write in response to paintings and kind of take it with me to concert halls and dance, you know, dance, uh, not recitals, but like dance concerts, all these kinds of things I would always be writing about art. So that Pluto really like got that Neptune Mercury going 
And, um, but yeah, I had to admit there were things I couldn't do. Like I had to confront those things I couldn't do. Anyway, I think I'm going to end this. Um, thanks for reading my diary. Oh, you know what I didn't do? I'll put this into the description, but what I didn't do is, um, my birth data, which is November 8th, 1972. 4 16 a.m. in Dover, Ohio. I'll make sure I put that in the description if I post the mp3. All right, well, anyway, you can see what I do at tdjacobs.com and also healingsuicide.com.